And we are back with another Black Widow Cream Podcast, new episode every single Wednesday and Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Ben Real Verse World. And today on the podcast, we have Brian Z. Zizuk, the co-founder, founder of AudioMac and DJBooth.com. Um, AudioMac is a massive, massive online platform for sharing music and finding music um competing with people like spotify itunes things like that and dj booth is one of the uh i've followed dj booth since like fuck since i was making music back in the day um they're a music blog that has been just paving the way for music for such a long time they've had an incredible ride that led to brian eventually starting audio mac and blowing up on the internet interviewing all kinds of different artists since like the early 2000 like shit for like literally over 10 years like he's been doing this shit for a long time um and i had a chance they they interviewed me not too long ago and it, honestly it's one of my best uh my favorite interviews anyone's ever done on me which is cool as fuck um the website's incredible audio max incredible they're doing a great job building out their own platforms and really paving the way for musicians um and they put on so many musicians through through the years of, of running their business but running a business is one of the most interesting things about him and and his expertise in this field of creating startups and building brands is so valuable and i think you have a lot to learn in this episode so i'm excited to share it with you today um yeah so that's it i don't really have anything else to say if you're new because z sent you here what up <laughs> what up uh this is black window cream podcast we interview all kinds of fucking geniuses like z and different creators of all kinds to try to give feedback or give like tips and stuff like that to you guys we have a, a amazing online creative community of six thousand plus members on facebook that you can join if you want to it's free bwnc.com slash join we share feedback tips and tricks ideas job opportunities all kinds of stuff in that group so feel free to join and if you want to contribute to the podcast pick up some motherfucking merch because it's black window cream mug looking fire today on the desk with the little coffee stains on it you know because i spill coffee out of my mouth uh shop bwnc.com to pick that up and uh that's it let's get to this motherfucking episode right motherfucking no Attention. If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? Yeah. You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing. And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to... Goes to... Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I knew you would say that. And we are back with another Black with No Cream podcast. New episode every single Wednesday and Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Ben Real Verse World. Today on the podcast from Chicago. Chicago. Living there currently in Chicago? Correct. Um, Brian Z. Zizuk. Zizuk. Yeah, I did it. Yeah. Tight. Yeah. I got nervous for a second. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do it, but I did it. How you doing, bro? I'm good. And you didn't even have to uh, ask me how to pronounce it prior to the recording. <laughs> I know. But, you know, sometimes I read Z-I-S and I stop and I'm just like, I'm a botch. I'll botch it. I'll read a name I've read millions of times and I fuck it up every single time. So A lot of people like to add an imaginary C yeah. into the last name. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I added an A earlier when I tried and I think they just saw me read A-K-A and move the A over <laughs> to the end of your name and just call it. Anyway, um, you, my friend. All right. So at one, once upon a time. I had a rap group. You probably know a lot of rap groups. Lots. And uh, I'm pretty sure I sent, I tried to do it real quick to pull up, pull up an old email. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I sent you some fucking fire ass singles 
that you guys never posted on the blog. <laughs> and I brought you here to tell you that I'm mad. Are, are you about to Nardwar me? <laughs> no, I, I just, we, we would sit there and just like be like, damn, if we get, if we get a DJ booth post, like, oh my God, writing music back in the day, like shit's funny, but you, okay. So sorry. In a nutshell, don't worry about it. In a nutshell, it's what's the exact title? Co-owner, editor-in-chief? Yes. And then you're also the founder of vice president of content operations and artist services? Yes. At AudioMac? Yes. That's a long-ass title. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a mouthful. But you co-founded both of them or no? So uh, DJ Booth was originally founded by my business partner, Dave Mackley, in 2003. Okay. Um, Cliff Notes version, I met him on the internet in 2005 when I was wrapping up college. And uh, it was a hobby at the time. And then several years later, DJ Booth became an actual business and we became an LLC and then we became business partners. So wild. Uh, In 2003, so at this point, or excuse me, 2013, so at this point, uh, almost a decade after, uh, AudioMac was birthed and I'm one of five uh, co-founders on AudioMac. Is the dude from DJ Booth a part of that too? Yeah, he is the CEO. Oh, dope. Yeah. Nice. Damn. Yeah, you guys are very deep in this music shit. We are. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe, but um, between AudioMag, DJ Booth, and going back to when I used to be in radio, Yeah. Uh, this is 17 years that I've been Fuck. doing this. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You were doing radio where, like locally? So I started doing radio in college. Yeah. And uh, I had a Saturday night program, and then I was DJing. And then when I graduated... Well, DJ Booth was a hobby at the time. Uh, I became a morning show producer in Chicago for a now defunct station called 9FM. Okay. So that's uh, up every day at 3 a.m., out the door at 3.30, 4 a.m. to noon. You're leaving and going to work. You're seeing people leave bars and clubs that are ending their day. And you, you know you're, you're beginning right. yours. Uh, yeah, it was a trip. Uh, it didn't last very long because I was miserable. <laughs> I can fucking imagine. Uh, sleep schedule was off. Couldn't sleep when I knew it was light outside. Oh. Um, was gaining weight, losing weight. Everybody in my life pretty much hated dealing with me because I was miserable all the time. Damn. Yeah. And so um, left that, called up Dave, and I was like, we should do DJ Booth full time. He's like, I'm not leaving my full-time job to do DJ Booth full-time, but if you want to do DJ Booth full-time and then we become like a legit business then maybe I'll leave DJ Booth right. or leave my job for DJ Booth. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that was the, the genesis of So that. you just had to like kind of prove to him that it was a possibility that you guys could like fund your lives off of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the time we were bringing in like five, $600 a month, right. which, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at. And, and obviously the, the, the internet and the, the blog game was completely different back in 2005, 2006, 2007. Yeah, totally. Um, YouTube existed, but it was like cat videos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was no DSPs. Spotify was a twinkle in the eye of a Swedish man. And so, you know... <laughs> We really didn't know what we were getting into other than I wanted to conduct interviews, talk to artists, and write reviews. Right. I, I needed real estate to do that, and, and DJ Booth gave me that opportunity. That is insane. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we'll get way more into that in, yeah. in a little bit, but like, was that when you're in the DJ world, is that considered like third shift? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, at the time, I, I was DJing in college, and DJ Booth, the genesis of it was turntable headphone mixer reviews dj playlists and tutorials Mm. 
Um, and so that that's what it was. But I saw that it had far greater potential than that. Yeah. Um, and that's why I recommended that we, we shapeshift and morph the platform into something greater, um, less niche and more, you know, full scale platform. Right, right, right. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. So getting, I mean, going earlier on, having an interest in artists in yeah. general, specifically like hip hop genre seemed to be like the main driver, yeah. right? Um, how did you kind of find yourself getting into hip hop and like what was kind of pushing you to become a fan of music that way? Always been a huge music fan. Mm. Um, grew up in a household where my parents played music all the time. Uh, you know, they would say, hey, you know, um, you need to clean your room. And then it became like, you need to clean the whole house. Yeah. Um, but we're going to play <laughs> some music while you do it. So mm. it'll be an enjoyable experience. Right. Um, come from a very musical family. My grandfather uh, was a cantor at, at a synagogue. Um, and that's the person who uh, sings for the entire uh congregation like the one person yeah he he chants the melodies yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he had a beautiful voice well uh, my father was in his choir when he was younger um on my mom's side um my uncle mark is a uh, flutist and plays multiple instruments um i played trumpet growing up i was in choir for a very brief period of time there's no evidence of that on the internet other than me <laughs> telling you right now <laughs> yeah, right Take your word for it. Yeah, which is probably best for my reputation, (laughs) both present and future. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, I mean, I I knew that I wanted to go into something where I could share my opinion with the world or talk about something I was passionate about and someone would actually pay me for it. Yeah. So I did uh, uh, television uh, and debate in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, That became uh, radio and journalism in college. And uh, when I had the opportunity to, you know, talk about music and listen to music every day, and that could be my, my living. Yeah. What, 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 you were in Chicago this whole time, right? Grew up, born and raised in Chicago? Yeah, born and raised in Chicago. Which uh, part of for, Illinois for real, though? Uh, just north of the city. Yeah? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I was born in Highland Park, okay. Illinois. Oh, shit. So you're really from Chicago? Yeah. All right. Everyone's uh, always like, I'm from Chicago, and then they live like an hour and a half outside. No, 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 no. Born and raised, or born in Highland Park, um, lived in Glenview, lived in Skokie, uh, went to school at Illinois State University, oh, nice. uh, which is in normal Bloomington. That's like uh, two hours south of downtown. And then finished up school, uh, lived in West Rogers Park, mm. uh, which is right off the lake. Uh, near Loyola University, uh, met my wife. Uh, we've moved into a condo together. Um, had our daughter move back to the suburbs uh, in Skokie. It's about fifteen minutes north of uh, of the city. Nice. So sick. You have the convenience of getting downtown, right? And none of the issues like parking and congestion and right. traffic. Yeah, I feel like living downtown Chicago would be the worst for getting groceries. Yeah, I mean, it just it's hard living in a major city. It's just stressful. You know, mm-hmm. things like going to get your groceries become um, like you have to plan it out your day. Right. You can't just hop in your car and like drive over and park in a parking lot. Yeah. So, yeah, it's difficult. So you did journalism. That was kind of your major in? Radio broadcasting and journalism. And in high school, did you have opportunities to do stuff like that? Yeah, I did. And really the only reason why that happened was I screwed up my knee, right? What's so that? I was playing uh, basketball and baseball. Yeah. And uh, I was playing a pickup game of football at the park. I got tackled. My foot 
went into a divot. Fuck. Uh, I uh, tore my MCL, my PCL, fractured my kneecap, and dislocated <laughs> my knee. Um, a Korean War veteran was at the park with his kids. He like ran over because he saw it happen. I was just writhing in pain. I was in agony. Oh. And it sounds strange to, to tell the story back, but he like massaged my leg as I was in agony without even asking me if he could <laughs> touch my leg. Uh, and but was just biding time until the, the paramedics came right, and took right, me right. to the hospital. At the time, I was devastated. I mean, look, I didn't think I had an opportunity to be a professional. No, at, no. I mean, I'm a I'm a white Jewish kid from uh, from sh- the Chicago suburbs. Like that, you just, never know, man. You it know. wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Um, but it was the best thing that happened to me because I needed to do something mm. with my life. I couldn't just go home after school, and if it wasn't sports practice or a game, I, I, I had to find what would fill that gap. Right. And that became, tel- I, I, my high school had a television station. And so I did television. I would host um, school events. Um, I would emcee like pep rallies and award ceremonies. I joined the debate team. Uh, And so I just wanted to get more comfortable talking. Yeah. Was it hard to go, you know, pep rallies and stuff? That's like the entire school body usually, right? Yes. So is it, was it, were you nervous doing that? Like having that position? No. Interesting. Then I've always felt very comfortable um, talking in front of a crowd. Right. Um, I think the saying is like, statistically speaking, more people are scared of giving a eulogy at a funeral than being in the casket mm. at the funeral. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I don't want to be dead. I, I, I'll give the speech. Right. I'm cool. Right. No, that's a good way to look at it. Do you public speak now? Do you ever do anything like that? Yeah. So uh, through my work at DJ Booth and Audio Mac, yeah. um, I'll occasionally be asked to speak on panels right. at conferences. Um, I've gone into several schools in Chicago, including Columbia, That's dope. Uh, and talked to their students about opportunities in media that are non-traditional. They don't require you to go work for someone else, right? Because you know most colleges, universities, you go to school and they teach you how to go get a job for someone else. Yeah, they don't teach you how to do everything yourself. Yeah, to do stuff like what we're doing, where you're your own boss. I wish they did. Um, I was actually invited back to my alma mater, Illinois State, several years ago to speak during Communications Week. And I asked them, I said, you know, I graduated in 2006. You know, what have you guys done to your curriculum since I left that has adapted to the the changing climate that we're all living in? And I forget who I spoke to, but they basically said, like, everything's changing so quickly, we haven't been able to develop a curriculum yet. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, everything's always going to be changing. And so if you haven't done it yet, and that's the reason why, you're never going to do it. Ever. But could you imagine that same excuse being applied to like U.S. history? Like we can't teach U.S. history because like it's it's evolving and it's changing. Right. And so like we have to like wait and... Until it's done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're going to be waiting a while. I That shit scares the hell out of me because it's like you these people pay so much money because they're confused, right? They're lost. They don't know. Some, sometimes it's an advantage. They go to school and they right. find their path that way. But... Like you said, the structure is do this, go get a job, you work for someone else. And if you ever had an interest of it, you'd have to specifically understand that that needs you need business courses and you need to figure out how to sell yourself and all this other shit. Like it's terrifying to think that they can't catch up. Like I struggle with that in college. I'm going to go speak back at my university uh, next month, which I'm in Iowa. Yeah. Keynote speech there. It's weird, but uh, and deserved. Thanks. Yeah. Um, But it'll be cool to go back and 
see it, but I want to bring up the story where my, in my documentary class, I, I had bought my own DSLR. I could shoot in HD and I turned my project in on a thumb drive and I got docked 10 points because I didn't submit it, turn it in on a DV tape. And so I lost points in my documentary class because I bought my own camera and did all this shit, but they needed to play it on the projector through this one. Set. I mean, it's it all ran through the computer. Like, why did I just lose points on this? And it's just because they're so behind. Follow directions, right? I guess maybe, <laughs> but still, like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, the, I it's you, still yeah. that old mentality because yeah. they can't. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, it's expensive and it's one person running the department in certain you know cases. It's like terrifying. So that right? Yeah. I get it. And I'm saying I understand yeah. how they can make the crutch seem so easy to lean on. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what did they, uh, did you kind of prove to them that that's terrifying? Um, to my alma mater? Yeah. Uh, I have not been asked back for communications week. <laughs> right. Let's leave it at that. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so you get into, you're doing pep rallies and things like that. Yep. I, I don't even remember in high school, someone that was like, if we had, did they like, was that a position that you could not like run for like to be able to be a no. host or anything how no, did so i was doing television so yeah. my school had a, a daily television program on public access uh locally yeah and so uh, i would host that every day okay um so it would air in the building and then it would air every evening at like eight o'clock right. on like public access channel 16 super tight yeah local celebrity yeah, yeah for, for sure, sure. Yeah. that's sick yeah it was very hard to go to like blockbuster without sunglasses i on. totally understand did, did, but did that gets you into pep rallies? And yeah, stuff? yeah. So the the folks who um, orchestrated and um, I, I don't know planned that all out. They saw my work on the television station and they they asked me to do it. Damn, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean it's obviously much different being in a studio with uh, you know a sound guy and a producer yeah. and one cameraman. Everything's dark. I'm just reading off of a teleprompter right. versus I have a cordless mic and I'm talking to several thousand students in a gym. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Well, were you writing kind of your stories that you guys were reporting on for the news? Like, were you part of the writing committee or whatever? Yeah. During that part? Did it all. So early on, you were you already started writing. You were telling Everything. stories. Hmm. I mean, if you want to go back even further, and we don't have to do that. Uh, when I was in junior high, I started a, a weekly newspaper with four friends. Okay. Oh, shit. And we would sell subscriptions to our, our student body classmates and the faculty for 50 cents a pop. And we would pick a different charity um, every semester to give that donation to. Our eighth grade year, um, the principals changed over. And the old principal who loved what we were doing, you know, it was philanthropic, charitable, showed initiative, certainly yeah. more initiative than most middle school kids have. Uh -huh. um, they said, you can't operate um, this business given that you're exchanging money, even though like the money was being donated to charities. And uh, they said, we could do one of two things. You could either cease production, and, and part of it was probably because we were using their um, uh, copy machines yeah, and right, right. All their shit. yeah um uh or it could your newspaper can change titles and become the official newspaper of the school wow and so you know i wasn't about to to kill my hero so i said yeah let's do it um but the the oversight by the faculty sort of like cheapened and ruined the experience right. because they sort of dictated what we could and couldn't run what we could and couldn't yeah, cover yeah. and you know i I've never really answered to anybody but my parents. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that was hard. But yeah, that it's looking back on it, what I do now and what I've been doing for the past decade and a half, the, the those seeds were planted. Early, early. You know, 
That's incredible. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade. So when you go to college, were, were, did you go specifically thinking, I want to pursue journalism? Like there's something there. Did you have an idea of like what yeah. that would be? Because yeah. I don't think it was probably running a blog at the time. No, I mean, I didn't even know what that was. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I went to Illinois State, uh, this is so this is exactly how this played out. Um, I, I chose mass communications as my overarching major, but Same. I wanted to do television. Mm-hmm. So second day of my freshman year, I went right to the television station and I said to the faculty advisor, hi, my name's Brian Zissuk. I did TV in high school. You know, it's sort of like everybody's a hero in their own hometown and they come to LA and they think that they're, you know, the big, Mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's like, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, But all of our on-camera work is done by juniors and seniors. Um, But, you know, we can get you started in other areas. Um, But, you know, my ego is like, no, I, I mean, I just did this in high school. I, right. I, I could step in right now. So I, I wanted the opportunity to do something where I could immediately feel like I was contributing. Yeah. Um, and so I said goodbye. I left and I noticed that the radio station at the school was in the same building on the same floor down the hall. Right. So I walked down the hall, did the same exact thing, <laughs> introduced myself to the faculty advisor. She introduced me to the program director of the station. And I said, I'm willing to do anything. Just like, don't make me wait two years. Right. And he goes, actually, this Saturday night, I have a DJ slot from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. that needs to be filled. Are you interested? Never DJ before, never worked a board before, didn't know anything. This was a Thursday. I said, how long do you think it'll take to train me? He goes, if you come in tomorrow, I could do it. I'm like, sure, let's do it. Right. So yes, the first Saturday night of my college experience, I didn't go out that night because I had to be stone cold sober to go on the air from right, two, right, right. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah, um, It went well. The person that ran the 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift quit the next week and they were like, do you want to do that? And I go, that's definitely worse than 10 to 2. Um, and they said, well, that's all we have. And I said, well, shit, yeah. sure. Uh, then it went backtracked. I eventually got the 10 to 2 and then got the ideal slot, which was 7 to 10. Damn. Yep. That is insane. Yep. So when you go into DJing, is it like tr- true actual DJing or is it just making sure music's playing and make sure you kind of have it so, back, bounce back and forth? Great question. So at the time, um, material from the labels was still being serviced to us on vinyl. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. So we, everything was like mix show style right. in studio. Uh, we would have several um, stop sets throughout the hour uh, to talk about intro and outro the records. Right. Um, the focus was more so on being able to ad lib. I had a show partner. Uh, his name's Rod Lake. His on air name is Suave. 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 Like it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we developed a great rapport. We had amazing chemistry. Um, he's from East St. Louis. Okay. I'm from Chicago. White guy, black guy. We meshed immediately mm-hmm. um, through our mutual love of hip hop. Uh, we, our show was actually nominated for um, two Illinois Broadcasters Association Awards Damn. and two uh, College Broadcaster Incorporated Awards. Um, I believe we lost all of them. Shut up. Yeah, but um, it's the thought that counts. It is the thought that yeah. counts, for sure. Did, did you have a BuzzFeed run? <laughs> Get you on there? <laughs> then... Um, <laughs> We can't all be you. Yeah, right, all right. Don't worry about it. Um, so going into that, you guys, so it, he was going to school with you, right? He was. Yeah, he so was uh, a year older. Is, this is all unpaid, right? All unpaid. All unpaid. But did you get credit for this as part of like an elective or something? Not at the time, no. Eventually? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. But would the yeah. typical training for this been the same scenario where like the other department would make wait make you wait until you're a junior to be able to perform? Exactly. 
technically. Yeah. So, you know, they'll train you, but then you kind of got to wait on the sidelines. Right. But Whereas, everyone's going straight to, um, to the TV shit and they're not going to radio probably out the gate, but you just, switch, you just totally switched that around. I didn't care. Yeah. I just wanted to get involved. Which is great. Yeah. By any means necessary. Did you end up doing TV and news? No. So you never even participated. Wow, that's crazy. Because, yeah, I mean, it, so what happened was as I was DJing, then I started taking on more roles. Mm-hmm. So first I became the music director. So the, at, this, at the time, it was a split station format. So half the week was urban and then the other half was rock. Okay. Um, they've changed formats since I graduated. Um, but at the time it was split. And so for the urban side, um, I was the music director mm-hmm. for... Uh, two or three semesters. Then I was the program director uh, for two or three semesters while also hosting uh, my Saturday night show. And then I took several shifts throughout the week, um, like uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right. between classes. So much work. It, but I loved it. Right, you know? that's what I'm saying. Um, like I got all the new music first. Uh, they always would send double vinyl, and so I was able to add to my collection. That's sick. Um, I got to interview artists. Uh, we would tape the interviews off air right. and then we would run them on air um, s- sort of like a, a syndicated version right? Um, and so it gave me opportunity to, to sharpen my interview skills yeah. listen to new music first um, which definitely paved the way for what eventually came so were you interviewing like local artists that were at the school Oh, no, 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 no. You could, you could interview anyone yeah so everybody who was sending us music who was servicing music uh for college radio play, yeah, um, I would reach out to them and say, "Hey, can you get this artist on the phone? Can you get that artist?" Oh, on the you phone? do phone call, yeah. So we do uh, phone interviews, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sick. So, who are some of the people you were talking to at the time? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. So, my first ever interview was with a rapper named King Gordy. Okay, uh, he was in uh, Eminem's Eight Mile, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, that was my first ever interview. Um, but no, we we were able to interview a lot of cats. So. Um, I got uh, Gucci twice while he was um, in prison. Oh, shit. Uh, so, yeah, we, we got calls from whatever. In prison? In prison. So hard. Two of them. Um, Chameleon Air, Akon, um, E-40, DJ Khaled, Rick Ross. Wow. Um, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was fantastic. That's incredible. Yeah, it was great. So when do those still live online somewhere? Do you have recordings? At at one point, all of them were streamable on DJ Booth. Yeah, but as we updated the site and and morphed and changed it over the years, uh, they have been they have been lost into the ether. It's like that MySpace shit, huh? Uh, occasionally, we will run a um, a lost interview where we. Um, run the transcribed version oh, um, nice. so at least you can see what took place that's so crazy man yeah. like that's such a wild but that was you stepping out of the box trying to target like the the people that were sending the music to be able to get a hold of these artists. no one right? had ever done uh, artist interviews prior to my arrival so what was like your superiors views on this were, were they ecstatic with you <laughs> did it also create new listeners like were people tuning in because of this yeah so what we would do is um, we would break up the interview into into sections and we would couple it with giveaways so that Sorry. would sort of assist in the promotion of not only whatever their newest work was but you know hold the listener captive for longer than however long they were initially right, right, right. to tune in for that's a great idea so Thank you. would you release like tickets did, did yep. they ever perform in the area and stuff? yep Yep, ticket so, giveaways because I mean it, it's technically considered Central Illinois. Yeah. So you have Champaign Urbana, which is like forty minutes away. Mm-hmm. You have Peoria, which is like forty minutes away. Right. Um, you're not far from Chicago, yeah. so two hours away. So yeah, we would do ticket giveaways for all those markets. God, that's so sick. That'd be so fucking fun. It was 
so much fun. I, I, my, I was communications. My emphasis was electronic media. We had like a newsroom, but I would, had no interest in news, but I just would make it as creative as I could. And right. I had like my own weather segment and it was just the most ridiculous. I would interview people with a lavalier mic strapped to my pinky. <laughs> you know what I mean? And my teacher would give us A's. She loved it. She loved that I was like stepping out of the box. I was going to say creativity. But all my other classmates were like, I, I was fucking up the reel and shit. And they were just so bummed because they wanted to do news. But I loved being able to be in a space where I could like go and push the limits and no one was really telling me what to do. And that kind of was my experience, you know? So I think for you to be able to do all that, and it's cool because my homie, bye, black dude, fell in love with hip hop. We both connected on it in a class and that's how we started our hip hop group, which like carried my weight through college, like beyond college. Like yeah. that's all I did was think about music and making music and stuff, which is so funny that I've known of your work since then, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Not, I can't say I was tuned into the radio show when you were in college, but I mean, I, I don't know how many people were tuning. <laughs> you know, how, how would you find out? Did, did they have a way of like measuring people that were? Yeah. Listening? So, um, in every dorm and every university building, um, they would play. There was like a mandate that they had to play the university radio station over the the speaker system in the buildings and on the television stations. Oh. So yeah, they they could measure it. That's cool. Um, I don't know what our our audience size was. We usually typically measured it by the number of phone calls we would get in when we would request people to call in with um, answers to trivia questions or requests for the nine o'clock hour. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Was it? Did you notice like a spike in your popularity on campus? Did could people ever like? attach a name to the face uh no and that's exactly how i wanted it did you yeah i i've never put myself first um i've never put my picture out there trying to make me the brand Mm -hmm. um everything i've ever done so in college the brand was saturday night party right if saturday night party was a success i was a success Right, right right when when dj booth started to take off it was never about me it was Mm -hmm. about the brand totally and as dj booth grew and became more successful I grew right. and became more successful. Yeah. Same with audio, man. I get it. Yeah. I just didn't know if you hopping out in front of like a school body at the time being like the official host to this. But I just assume maybe if you're DJing these fire ass songs, like people have parties and want to DJ at a party. Right. Were you ever getting requests to DJ parties? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I did. Yeah. But it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't passionate about you that. Weren't? No. No. You mean like lugging no, cases yeah, for sure. of vinyl yeah. up uh, elevator list building six flights yeah. in a hot stuffy hot boxed college apartment that's a great descriptor bro nah damn nah pass yeah super pass yeah ac room with all the shit there and it's there every time you walk in you can just hit record and go so sick <laughs> i love the radio i loved being able to like we'd always do interviews and just be able to hop on and i could tune in and listen yeah. to it it was so fun like i loved it was, doing it was a lot of fun did you guys um, compete against sports was that ever like on your show your show is strictly music. Strictly music, yeah. I don't know if that's that, if that's how college sports channels, if they run off the same thing or not. I have no idea. So then when you get going out of college, what was the transition into the work field? So um, I got a job for, for 9FM yeah. as a, a, a morning show producer. Mm. Um, that's, that's the gig I thought I signed up for. Uh, the station was dead broke. Uh, they had just brought in a, a sales guy from a, their local uh, ABC station. He quit within like three months. And so they freaked out and they didn't know money wise where money was going to come from. And um, they were like, uh, Brian, if you want to stay on board, um, not only are you going to have to do the morning show thing, but we're going to have to send you out in the van in a gorilla suit to different remote locations. Wait, in a gorilla suit? Gorilla suit. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, and um, when we do these remotes to try to get local markets invested in listening to the morning show, you know, you're gonna show up, throw that gorilla suit on, hand out crap, you know, <laughs> t-shirts and stickers right. and keychains, um, and then hop back in the, the van, take the gorilla suit off, and head on back to the station. What was your title? Morning show producer. S- yeah. Cool. Yeah, sign me up. Let's go. Yeah. So that lasted nine months. Right. Yeah. Damn, nine months, really? Nine months. And did it always stay the same, or did you ever end up actually producing content for the morning? I produced content every morning for the morning show, and then once it was all done, they'd send me on that van, <laughs> and I'd hop in that gorilla suit. Wow. Yeah. So what is this? I mean, what's that... What is the actual job of a morning producer? Is that it just is it like knowing exactly what's going to play at this minute? You mean if they were to work for a station that's not broke? Yeah, legitimate. Right. Um, yeah. So the morning show producer is going to be the individual who um, sets up all and schedules all the interviews and the guests. Oh, okay. Um, they're going to have a flow chart of exactly how the morning programming is going to work. Right. Um, so all the topics that are going to be discussed during each stop set, mm. um, they're going to work with the marketing department ticket giveaways, promotions, on-air reads that serve as commercials. Right. Um, you're basically the the organizer of the morning show. You're making sure that both hosts know exactly where you're going, coming in and out of uh, the music. Um, I also did like parody raps. Okay. Um, those also not on the internet. Not on the internet? No. Um, Are you sure? I hope not. Part of the Lost Files? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would record parody raps based around um, uh, just... Hollywood comings and goings. Um, So like when Tom Cruise and uh, Katie uh, Holmes uh, mysteriously had their first child, Suri. Yeah. uh, Like no one had seen her for several months. So I I did a rap about like, where is the real Suri? (laughs) And I I rapped over with the real Slim Shady, please stand up. Fire. Yeah, it was was incredible. And I was able to come up with them in like 10 minutes. And um, Steve McEwen, who's one of the show hosts, who's a very close friend of mine to this day, he was he was like beating the, down the door of the program director. He's like, this guy's too talented. You're setting him out in a gorilla suit. Okay, gorilla what, suit. Are you, what are yeah. you doing, man? And he's like, we have no money. I'm sorry. What do, you, what, what do you want me to do? Right. Yeah. So was that something you were, t- is that like an entry level job as a morning yes. producer? Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of something you have to do to get to the that's hosting That's full time hours without any benefits. Right. It's, um, it's horrible hours. Um, the only plus of that entire experience outside of meeting Steve, who I wouldn't have probably met otherwise, um, is I got to cover half of the Chicago Bears home games that season, and that's the year they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Colts. Oh, shit. So I got to be in the locker room interviewing Brian Urlacher and Devin uh, Devin Hester and Tommy Harris. So sick. Yeah. And as a huge diehard Bears fan growing up, that was definitely a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Right. And that makes all that bullshit with the the suit totally worth it. You know, Ben, I wouldn't say all. No, yeah, there way too many, way too many times that I had to dress up in that bear suit. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair enough. Yeah, I've, I feel like is it something that you knew I have to do this in or before you understood that they were broke. You do that, stick it out for however long you can, and then eventually they're going to bring you up. And your main goal was to become a host, right? But I, I knew that the writing was on the wall from the very beginning. I right. knew that, that that would not happen at that station. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like. Uh, prospective NFL players, they know that that fourth preseason game, they're not going to probably make the roster of the team that they're playing for. Right. But what they're doing is they're auditioning for the other 31 teams in the league. Totally. So I viewed my time at 9FM not as an opportunity to get promoted within the 9FM hierarchy, but to 
produce work that I could then take elsewhere, mm. show off and be like, hey, look at me, hire me. Right, right, right. So then your pivot move out of that, did the company just close? Um, or did you no, get out early? No, I, I just left. I was miserable. Yeah. Um, I lost all my hair. Well, at least what, what hair was left on my head. Right. Um, you know, uh, I just wasn't a happy person. Mm. I was miserable. Um, and I wasn't being a good person to the people in my life that I, I wanted to be in my life. Right. So I thought it was in my best interest instead of like trying to make this radio dream happen. And for some people, they're, they're willing to do whatever. Right. You know, um, I mean, you picked up and went across the country and, you know, by any means necessary. Right. Um, and look at you now. Yeah. Uh, everyone who I was talking to, they're like, man, you're going to have to go to another market in a, in a smaller city. You're going to have to sleep in the backseat of your car. You're going to have to eat baked beans out of a can. Right. Uh, and if you do that long enough, maybe you'll get lucky and be able to move back to Chicago and, and work for first station here. And I just, I had DJ Booth sitting in my back pocket at the time. I thought, I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I'm, I'm not financially responsible to any other human being. Let's take the leap now. Yeah, it's the best position yeah. to be. So, okay, so DJ Booth came to you at what point in time? Because you were still working for the radio company first. Right? I was still in school. Oh, so, you were in school yeah, when Before that I ever graduated, um, I was actually trying to find a way to get my interviews from Saturday Night Party mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm. I mean, I went to the library. I checked out books. <laughs> I tried to figure out how to build a website. God, that's know? amazing, dude. And I, I failed spectacularly. People don't know how easy they have it. Oh, my God. Especially, especially students, right? I mean, Wikipedia, it's amazing. You don't even have to carry vinyl up six flights of... St- there's anymore, right. dude. Like they can just do it from an iPad. Like every, that's where everything. it is. Fuck. You don't even need to be a DJ. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> uh, you, you need no skills at all. Um, Play a Spotify playlist. What? So yeah, I, I emailed Dave. I, I came into contact with DJ Booth because um, DJs all across the country were submitting their playlists from their shows. Oh, okay. And so I wanted to submit my playlist from our Saturday Night Party show. But after I checked out, you know, everything that made up DJ Booth. I sent him a cold email. I found his contact information. I sent him a cold email and I introduced myself. I told him, look, I'm, I'm a college student. I conduct interviews, I write reviews. I'm looking to build a website. Uh, it's not going very well. I see you already have one that you've finished. Right. It's live. Yeah. Um, you know, can you carve out some real estate on here for me to produce content for you? And I remember explicitly writing, I want no money. None. Wow. This is not about money. He called me like 10 minutes later. He's like, what did you say in that last? I, I know I read it. I just want to make sure that's not a typo. You want yeah. no money. Yeah, he called me 10 minutes later and he said, um, I love your ideas. Like, let's, let's do it. And so he, he reformatted the, the platform and, and gave me the keys to the car wow. and said, you know, uh, I know that you're still finishing up school. I know that you want to go into radio, but whenever you have time to update it, you know, feel free. And update it as in make like post interviews, yep. anything you can get for content. Yep. Uh, album reviews. Album reviews. Uh, song, like song or track capsules like right. little blurbs attached to them uh we were one of the first platforms that we, we would upload the mp3 files and we had a, a streaming player on the platform damn and um yeah I, I just wanted a place where i could point people back to and instead of having to mail out you know um blank cds that right. I, I copied everything to i could just say hey check out this url you can listen or read my interviews and read my reviews right um again it was always about what that could lead to. I didn't think that was the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, to me, that was the thing that was going to help me get the next it's thing. It's an online portfolio that you were yes. building. So, uh, so, okay, so 
he makes it so that you how was there any other contributors on the site besides him you're looking at him he's across the table from you right now you were the only person so wait so what did what did he have i'm trying to picture what he had before you're saying that everyone could submit their mixes so it was a it was very niche right so it was a turntable headphone mixer reviews so like dj equipment pro audio gear right okay um and then dj playlists and tutorials that he was doing himself Dave Dave was doing and then there were some other DJ contributors like okay. resident DJs right, right, um, right. but you know we weren't produ- the, the the platform was not producing content on a daily basis sure. right this was not about the news cycle um, there was no Google News there were no news aggregators right, right? you know there was no Apple News Smart News you know none of that yeah. existed so the content game was, was far different so when you got the keys the first thing I mean it just opened up with I just want to make as much as I can and I just you were started pressing. doing three four interviews a week I transcribe them and throw them up there we would, so you could either stream them or read them uh, every time I would be getting a, an album from a label, I would review it. I mean, I, I look back at the work that I did early, and it's terrible. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, am so embarrassed. Is. Yeah, that's how it goes. Um, I mean, I've even gone back and like edited my earliest work because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. it, I'm like, at, at the off chance, this is someone's first impression of what I'm capable of, right. and then like they choose to ignore the timestamp. Yeah, I don't want them to judge me harshly. I would just go back and just add in a new text with the big bold date, like just <laughs> instead of having to tweak your shit, just put that pic there. You yeah. know what I mean? Just so they see it. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. So then, how long was it before you brought on any other writers? Okay, so um, 2007 was the first year I was 100% full-time just on DJ booth. Totally. Um, within 12 months, we had grown substantially, and we were able to generate enough monthly revenue from just straight banner ads on the, on the platform to hire uh, one additional individual. His name is Nathan Slavic. Okay. He served as managing editor for DJ Booth from 2008 to 2015, wow. I, I want to say. Um, so he was with us for quite a long time, yeah. and uh, he was my my right hand man in, in content creation. Mm. And then he eventually would manage um, a rotation of, of freelance writers, and eventually two full time staff writers. <sighs> Shit! So that was really the strategy to make it profitable was ads, yeah, just running yeah. banners, yeah. And 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 at the peak of the blog era, um, it was it was. A great business model yeah. um, because companies were just throwing money out on the internet. They didn't really understand or fully understand how to actually maximize those spends. Right. Um, but like online advertising was booming. And this was before the prol- proliferation of, of Facebook and Google, right. where, where now 90% of the ad market is spent. Right. So the rest of the internet is fighting for 10% of the scraps. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's not much money left to be made. Yeah. Unless you're doing volume and volume. Right, right, right. So was it, would it be something where you guys would have like a place, like, I could come there and say I want to spend money on your that banner, the top banner in the homepage, or something like. Is it like that, or is it was it kind of like how Google Ads works, where yeah, it like so, targets you? Specifically? Yeah, yeah. So we were part of networks. Okay. So at one point we were in a network with Vibe Magazine. Oh, dope. Um, then they got purchased, I believe, by a company called BlackRock, not the financial BlackRock, but a different BlackRock. Right. Um, never met a single person who worked for them. Uh, we recorded for we recorded by um, Complex. And we eventually joined the Complex Media Network. We were part of Complex for seven years, six or seven years. Right. 
um, as one of the, the top music publishers in their network. Yeah. We eventually left Complex, mainly because um, their business model has changed quite a bit. They lost a lot of um, their internal sales team. Mm. They basically got rid of all of their branded team. So like we were doing original content for Pepsi and for Green Label and for all of these different companies that Complex um, have been serving as like a media house for. Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we shifted a few years ago to another uh, network that I'm not going to mention because they're not, they're undeserving of any sort of promotion. Shout out to, to nobody. Um, was, but would that be like, fuck you. (laughs) Tell me how you really feel, man. Uh, would, would that be how, so like if you did the, the partnership with complex is complex now paying you, you guys, or is that, is, do they just have a better ad program? So you basically, um, they're taking a percentage of the revenue that they generate on your behalf from their reach, like them pushing people to... So they're, they're selling your inventory, right? right? So what they're doing is they are going out to Sprite and right. saying we have X million unique visitors per month across this many websites. Right. So Sprite's like, oh shit, yeah. like I can get this new campaign with Drake where his face explodes and Sprite comes out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, that's a real thing that really fucking happened. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, he's like a robot Drake and his head like explodes into like 30 million pieces and Sprite just like <laughs> pops out right. every which way. Um, so yeah, if, they, if Sprite was interested and you know, total audience size across the entire network, you know, they would spend, you know, a million dollars across the board. And right, then, right. Based on how much traffic your your site was uh, pulling in, that was dependent upon how much revenue right, you could right, generate. Right. That's you so know, interesting. At, at the peak of our, our, our blogging powers, we were doing about 8 million page views a month. God damn. So, um, page views, does that mean like a post or so, just like the front uh, so homepage? 8 million page views. So at least one page was being viewed 8 million times. What's on a page? Um, a piece of content. Okay, right. Yeah, one piece of content. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fuck. Yep. Now I know why you didn't write me back, bro. <laughs> now now I'm I know. sorry. I'm sorry. I thought we had it. We had it. It's all good. For those of you following along at home, that's the second time Ben has guilted me in <laughs> yeah, don't worry. minutes. Don't worry. I still have the MP3s on the drive over there. I'm going to give it to him. He's going to upload it, and I'm going to be fucking performing in no time. You'll catch you'll, me on my next you'll world definitely tour. be back on BuzzFeed. Yeah, I will be back on BuzzFeed. Uh, so, so getting into this, it's like, what it? What was? Um, sorry, what was your partner's name? And Dave, Dave Mackley. Yeah, what's Dave's role while you're taking over content curation? So Dave handled the business side. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Dave handled all all of the revenue, the payroll, um, any branded opportunities, monetization. Um, he oversaw all the changes to the site structurally. Mm. Um, So like changing the logo, reformatting the design, changing the layout, the user experience. Was he like a a coder or something? Uh, I mean, he he, he could do coding, that's not his bag. I mean, he comes from a sales background. He used to work for for a company called Operative. Um, I believe they bought or worked with a company called DoubleClick, which Google eventually bought. So I mean, Dave's super smart guy. you know, he he had purchased the the domain for Audio Mac at the same time that he purchased the domain for for DJ Booth, and wow. he'd just been sitting on it for years before um, we decided to actually turn it into something. That's insane. Yeah. So 
he's handling all the business. You're yep. focusing on that. Yep. You're also in charge of finding new the new writers with your with the the other homie that was there. For yeah, him? with Nathan. Nathan. Yeah. yeah. So you guys are kind of starting. How do you scout for writers? Are you just looking at other blogs? Well, man, I, I found Nathan on Craigslist. <laughs> what? I found Nathan on Craigslist, and and I found our our old uh, song blurb writer and transcriptionist Richard Spadeen also on Craigslist. At the time, Craigslist was just popping with, with people who were looking for gigs. Right. Um, so yeah, found them. Um, Chicago? Were they local Chicago, or were you just looking everywhere general? No, uh, at the time, Nathan was living uh, in the Bay Area. He ended up moving down here to uh, to West Hollywood, eventually uh, went back up and is now in the Bay, I believe, Berkeley. Um, Richard, at the time that I had first met him, lived in Minneapolis, mm. and then moved to Brooklyn eventually. Um, Eventually, we, we hired someone named Lucas Garrison, who's from D.C., um, uh, Yo Phillips, who is um, our senior writer to this day and um, is one of the most talented young writers, uh, I don't want to say on the internet, I believe in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, so shout out to Yo. That's sick. Yeah, he's been with us for, for I believe, five and a half or six years now. Wow. And um, his work is just, it's synonymous with DJ Booth and vice versa. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a poet, man, man. Yeah. Poet. And, and that was all Craigslist. Didn't find yo on Craigslist. Uh, no. yo was found by Nathan. Um, he was serving at an olive garden in Atlanta. And, uh, before that, I believe he was a nighttime attendant at a gas station and was just, you know, miserable, did not go to school for journalism, had no writing background, but just enjoyed putting pen to pad. Yeah. And um, had been writing, I believe, for his aunt's website just for kicks. He started reaching out to Nathan. We ended up publishing a few of his pieces. And then when we started generating more money, Nathan called him up. He was like, you want to leave Olive Garden <laughs> and uh, have a writing gig, like yeah. a real job? Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he left. So what... What what's like the amount of time it takes to curate like an album review? Obviously, you're listening to the full album. You want to probably spend it a few times, right? And then you're trying to find a perfect way to like curate that. Like, what's the process of that? Just to understand the timeline of like what it takes for you have a new album coming in. I sure. mean, everyone's dropping albums all the time, right? How are you guys competing with that? You know, to be able to stay right. up because well, whenever something comes out, that's what I go to. It's like I would go to the. Uh, your guys's blog. I would go to this blog. I would go to this blog just to see what everyone was saying about right. X, Y, Z, or to find out about new shit. You know what I mean? Like, of course, that's usually where you go to find, learn about stuff before playlists and all this shit on iTunes starts popping off or whatever. And now that's that's social media. Everybody's just going on social media, yeah. right? Because there are very few destination websites. Like right. Maybe Google, maybe Facebook, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, to answer your question, so you know, we would get advances from the label. Okay. So you know, at the time they were sending watermarked CDs two, three months before the actual street date. Whoa. And so we had time to actually sit with it for a considerable amount of time. Yeah. Um, as piracy increased, and this predates the dawn of the streaming era, mm -hmm. um, labels started scaling back the amount of time that they would give you with the music to, um, I guess, limit the possibilities yeah. that it could it could leak um, and again it would be tied back to the person that it was watermarked right. for um, and they could probably throw you in jail uh, <laughs> we realized as the industry morphed and changed that because they weren't doing that anymore it just was not a viable option for us mm -hmm. and so we actually created the, the 
concept of the one listen album review. And essentially, I don't believe that there's any better way to um, share your thoughts and opinions about a full body of work than through the one listen. And so essentially how it goes is there's no stopping or starting, uh, no fast forwarding, no rewinding. You press play. And as the entire album plays out in real time, you're taking notes about exactly what you're hearing, your emotions, your thoughts in that moment. Um, and then at the end, you, you, you wrap it up once you got the chance to like read back through. Um, everybody has an instant reaction, right? So, yeah. you know, you walk into a restaurant before you even sit down, you're taking note of the different clientele, the, the different people who are in the restaurant, who you're sitting by. Um, is your table near the restroom? Is it near the kitchen? Um, is, are, is your silverware clean? Mm. Um, then when they come out, do you like the waiter? Was he rude? Did he read off the specials? Did he bring the bread basket? And then when you get the actual meal, um, is it is it room temperature or is it hot? Right. Um, it was the portion size um, um, equal to what you're going to be spending for the meal. Right. Um, did they come over and ask if you're enjoying your meal? Uh, did, did, did they clean up your table in a reasonable amount of time? You know, these are all things that subconsciously we're, we're taking note of the entire time. Right. And so we do the same thing with music. Mm. And so it, it was frustrating to me to see people say, well, you need to be able to sit with an album for months. And I'm like, we used to do that yeah. when they gave you the opportunity to do that. Right. And then so they go, well, why, why not now? Why, why not do the same exact thing now? And, I, and I'll tell you why. The volume of music increased so mightily that if you were to sit with an album for three months and then publish the review, everyone's already moved on. Right. 50 million albums just dropped. Yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. care. There's a finite amount of time in which you have to publish a review or a, or a quasi-review mm-hmm. of, of some sort. And so the one listen review is our chance to get something up immediately, have it be a part of the conversation, create engagement and discussion. And we weren't, it doesn't masquerade as something that it's not. Right. A one listen review is not trying to get people to believe that this is a fully formed three and a half month with the album review. Yeah. This is, it's naked. It's, right. It is itself. Take it or leave it. So did you see that become like a trend? And yes, health? it's the most popular feature on DJ Booth. Jesus Christ! Every time someone drops an album, at least five people within the first hour after it's out is when when is the one listen review coming? Right, that is insane. So then, with that, the the hustle and bustle of yeah. the grind, an album comes out, you didn't plan for it. Someone's got to do that real quick. And it's yo, it's yo. Yeah, you can't go out. <laughs> Gotta stay home. <laughs> yeah, that, that man has spent a lot of Thursday nights at home wow. over, over the past five years. But in all, to answer the questions that I usually get, um, we do still get advanced streams. Right, they're sent well in advance. So, like the street date is is Thursday at store turn, mm. uh, but we'll have the album weeks or, or you know, in some cases, a month in advance. Who coordinates that? Me. That's you. So yeah. then you're building the relationship. So say you're out here for business right now. Yes. Are you? And I'm sure you have been over the past decade it's like you're making trips to labels to build relationships yes. with them as well yeah so are, do they ever are they ever hesitant to work with it's almost like you have to have had the reputation you have to now get music because of if, you know what i mean it's so easy to get rid of like put shit out there or have yeah. shit get lost or leaked yeah, of course so you're are you constantly doing like meet and greets with different label commissioners and different people like that to try to build those relationships yeah i mean all the meetings that i've been taking this week are for audio mac um and are all with labels mm-hmm. and distributors yeah um but you know the most important thing that i've been able to gain over 16 years is my network right um 
the perception from the outside looking in is that this business is huge, and it's really not. Mm. It's it's very small. It's certainly smaller than a lot of people think. Yeah. Um, everybody knows knows everybody through one person, whereas in some industries, you know, you have to go through multiple contacts to get to who you need to talk to. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's the same with you. No, totally. Yeah. 100%. Uh, and so, you know, our reputation, I believe, has preceded us. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been very straight up with folks. They respect the honesty and the, the, the candidness, yeah. I believe. At least the ones who aren't too close to the, the source material. Right. And I get that, too. You know, there's a lot of artists who are very sensitive, as they should be. Yeah. Um, as you're creating art, it's a part of you. But then once you release it out into the world, it's no longer yours. Mm. It's it's the world's. Right. Um, but that certainly that mentality certainly doesn't change the fact that if you've put years of work into something and then you read a review and it's unfavorable, um, it's it's, it's going to sting. And then maybe you don't want to work with me anymore. Do you guys ever have beef like that? Oh with yeah. Artists. Do you know how many people hate me? I would love to know. A lot. <laughs> but, but but is it just because you, they're? I always think it's interesting because you hear so many people like don't read. Now it's they don't all read, read the it. comments. They, they do, all right? read it. You I read talk it. to managers every day. They they tell me they say the artists will talk about how they don't read it. They all read it. They all read it, and it's because it's so easy to just go on Twitter and search your name. Right? Have you yeah. had people hitting you up? To oh, yeah. Do you ever go through I've been and threat- chat with I've, them? I've been threatened multiple on multiple occasions. Um, uh, Lupe Fiasco uh, <laughs> wants to murder me. Damn. Uh, g- gunplay wants to murder me. Wow. And I, I, I hope we're never in the same room. Right. Uh, shout out Gunplay. Yep. <laughs> um, w- one, of, one of the more entertaining uh, sagas was we ran a story uh, maybe like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Kid Cudi had made some comments about how hip hop was dying. And uh, we had Yo write an, an op-ed, an opinion editorial, uh, about why he was off base and, and wrong, hmm. right? Now, granted, Kid Cudi is entitled to his opinion. Right. So is Yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we published the piece. As we do, we tagged Cudi in the tweet about it. We were hoping he read it. Yeah. We wanted him to read it. We wanted him to respond. Yeah. And uh, he definitely read it. And then he responded and he told Yo that his, um, his opinion is worthless. He means nothing. <laughs> Um, and that story blew up. And then, thank you, Kid Cuddy. We turned his response to the story about him into another piece of content. Oh, my God. Um, he blocks us on Twitter. Right. I, I haven't talked to him since. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd say, like, at least once a week, we will run some piece of content, and someone will send me a text or a DM or an email and say, like, I didn't see this coming or, you know, I didn't expect it from you. And I'll go, you read the site. Right. Like, you know what we do. Yeah. This is not personal at all. I love you as a human being. Right. But that work that you just put out into the world. Trash can. Like, <laughs> not your best. Right. <laughs> Damn, you forget that that all comes with it. Because I feel like you you guys have, Then this was for me and for any musicians listening, like you guys are the key holders, right? The labels are one, they hold one key, which is like, you know, back then they held a bigger key than I think they do now. But um, just the way shit's working. But I remember it's like, man, if that if we could get signed to a label, our lives are different. But before that happens, as an independent, if I can get played on these blogs, yep. you know what I mean? If they can expose me to whoever is looking, you don't even realize how many people are looking at that shit. Like that's an eight million people on a page view. Like that's fucking That eight. was the, that was certainly the perception, right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of folks um, had the wrong idea about the actual true value of, of getting on, right? And there, there's so many independent artists that we featured over the years. And I think they thought 
that the the, the top of the mountain was getting a, a placement on a blog or a website. Right. And it wasn't mm. right. It, that, that, that was just one step one in, super, in the journey. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I see it now all the time. Artists view getting signed to a major label or just a label in general as the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then you see the complacency set in post signing. Right. Um, no, like that. You're still in the infancy stage of your career at that mm-hmm. point. Um, it's just you know, so many of these artists they, they come from such humble beginnings, and so to them, any any you know success is is just a foreign feeling. And so right. I completely understand behaviorally why they view getting signed or getting a placement or a headline as being truly like significant. But in the grand scheme of things. It's always meant very little, right? Unless you you have that next step, yeah, and the next step after that. Do you feel like it's easier once you guys find a new artist? Um, to, do you guys? How do you keep tabs on everybody? Like, great question. Follow ups and everything. People put out another song. Are you guys interested? Are you going to post about it again? Are they contacting you? Are you guys content? You know, reaching out to them? Are they giving you an early advance? You're probably getting brought to a lot of listening parties. Hey guys, I just want to break up this episode real quick to tell you about our Patreon account. Patreon is a way that you can support Black Window Cream financially, help us keep these lights on here at the office and allow us to do what we do to make you guys the motherfucking best content ever. This podcast, the private group, the YouTube channel, everything we're putting out, all of those contributions on our Patreon page helps us. So if you want to do that, you can join at patreon.com slash blackwindowcream. There's amazing perks when you sign up. You get to join us on our private Discord channel. You get access to our monthly bonus podcast episode. You get access to our monthly live streams that we do. All kinds of amazing perks when you sign up. So make sure to swing over to patreon.com slash patreon.com slash blackwindowcream. That is the link right now thank you all right let's get back to this wonderful interview we well, we used to have a submissions email yeah and it, it, it just grew and grew and grew to the point where manning the submissions email was the like the full-time responsibility of like two people right. because of the volume mm-hmm. i mean at one point we were receiving about five thousand submissions a month just for songs so that's not albums or mixtapes or eps or videos right. it's just songs yeah um just that, that our business model was changing um, this was when Spotify came stateside. Um, you know, YouTube was growing as a, a source for music. It just it, it didn't make sense for us to continue to pump time and resource and money into um, filtering songs right. and writing about them. We just, the, the writing was on the wall. Mm. Um, and so at that point, what ended up happening was all the artists who for years were sending me songs who got used to the routine, like I send Z a song, he throws it up because like, that's the homie. Yeah. That changed. Right. Um, and so then they started taking it personally. Like, oh, you don't fuck with me anymore. And it's like, well, of course, like, it's like, it's not that at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, DJ Booth is, is not a charity operation. <laughs> you know, it, it's a business. Yeah, it's yeah. a business that um, provides a livelihood for several people who have um, significant others and children, you know. And weigh in heavily to make the opinion of what the website represents yes. matter you know what i mean a hundred percent um and but they don't want to hear that nope. they just want to know why their new, their new track is not on the on yeah the that's why i keep fucking asking you dude you haven't answered me yet i I'm sent sorry, this to you dude. in 2008 for those of you keeping track at home that's number three school life <laughs> look it up gmail.com <laughs> no i don't know i tried to find the emails it would have been so funny if i had it anyway continue sorry no, but yeah, so look, uh, a lot of relationships have soured as, as a result. A lot of folks just, they don't care that our business model changed. Like they just, they were used to the support 
and it went away. And you know, they have a very hard time reconciling the two. And and part of me gets that, and right. the other part of me is frustrated that they don't see the headlines. They don't see all of the publications over the past five to ten years that have gone extinct right. because they refuse to change their business model. Right. Um, they don't see all of the large newsrooms that have been slashed, writers losing jobs, editors losing jobs. There, there's really no such thing as on-staff photographers anymore. Every, no. Everything is freelance. Yeah. No one wants to pay any benefits. Right. Um, the, the company that owns um, Billboard and um, Vibe magazine and Spin and a few other music publications just this past week, like a ton of writers, a ton of really talented writers go. Damn. Um, you know, and, and even the biggest publications, right? So the New York Times, which is like numero uno in the United States, they have a very successful um, subscription service. They're in the biggest media market uh, for news in the country. And in January of this year, they announced that like over the next 12 months, they're going to have to be making cuts. Like they already, they already saw that their, their forecasting suggested yeah. that despite a successful subscription model, the change was going to have to come. Right. Um, we're an independent publication. We've never taken on any financing. We've never taken out any loans. Mm. We have no investors. Um, and we've managed to stay in business for 16 years um, because we've remained a lean organization right. and because we're thoughtful of what is working, what isn't working, and not waiting for um, something to happen that requires us to change on the fly, but changing ahead of when change needs to be made. Right. So what, what did you... Rep- you know, everyone's upset because you're not taking their right. submissions, or just not emailing them back at all. Right. But what was the what was the replacement? Like, what did you guys do instead of long form content? Being so, um, uh, guest editorials, artist interviews, um, opinion editorial, um, thought provoking uh, content. So uh, we also dabble in educational content, yeah. where we will interview folks behind the scenes, like. Yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, engineers, um, folks who mix and master work. Like, what is that all about? We've talked to sample clearance agents um, to get an understanding of how that process works. We've interviewed um, music managers and publicists and A and R's and record label executives, um, songwriters, producers, the folks who are equal parts of the success of a record, but don't get anywhere near the coverage or ever, headlines right. ever. Um, and have all these folks candidly tell the world about what their roles are in the creation of, of music um, and, and share their stories. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you feel like there's a shit? Did you see the spike of people finding interest in that stuff? Yes. Because I feel like you're creating an education space now. You yes. know what I mean? Like 100%. You guys shifted into a way that's going to open up doors for people to understand process, which is so key. Exactly. And that's and what we did here. I know. And, and because of it, while we've become more niche again, yeah. right? Because now we're, we're specifically catering to either folks in the music space or the music tech space or fans of music who are aspiring to be a part of the music right. and or music tech space. Um, it's allowed us to also branch off and become a media house. So over the past two years, DJ Booth's been responsible for creating original content for Tidal. We do both video and editorial for them. That's We've created content for Revolt, for BET, um, uh, all deaf music before they went out of business. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, people love our editorial voice. They love that we are, are ourselves. Yeah. You know, we, we don't bite our tongues for anyone. Our writers feel comfortable. And what I think, um, just to shed some light on how this all works, a big misconception in the world of publishing 
is that uh, an editor-in-chief or editors will pitch articles to writers on assignment and then they will return them. Maybe that's how some other publications operate. We don't do that. We only field pitches from writers. Sort of like when we were in school, you know, you can complete a homework assignment if it's assigned to you. Probably not going to be as great a work as if the teacher said, you know, you can pick any topic to write about in, right. in any direction you want to take. You just do it yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we take the same approach. We don't pitch stories to, to writers. Writers have to pitch us. And then if we like the pitch, we accept it. Hmm. Shit. How do you, how do you guys see that? coming like what was it that was the early spike for you to be like all right uh these more in-depth pieces kind of are making more sense for our audience or that's the direction everyone's gonna go i mean look at podcasts now like there's a reason why these are working right people need to they like to consume this stuff and right since forever it's like you always pull up in a magazine you get to read an interview with someone and it goes in depth or they ask the right questions you get to learn a few tidbits or whatever throughout it what when did you what was like the exact turning point do you remember i do so um you know, for a long period of time, the most popular section of, of DJ Booth was the tracks section, which was we would receive, you know, like I said before, 5,000 yeah, submissions yeah. a month. We would handpick X number per day, 8 to 15 a day or something like that. Um, we would have a small little write-up accompany it, but that's what everyone else was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we saw the, the, the streaming ecosystem gaining in popularity, right? And, th- and this is around the exact same time that Audio Mac was officially birthed and starting to grow. And so as a result, you know, we basically debted our biggest moneymaker and took the resources that we were putting into that section of the site while it was still extremely profitable yeah. and invested in long form journalism. Hmm. And we figured it out as we went. Um, we had always been doing creative content but never like consistently long form content. And we just dove head first. So do journalists, do you guys send journalists place? Like do they, are they traveling for stories? Yeah, we, we've, well, yes and no. So we, we have sent folks, uh, Nathan went to the Grammys. Um, we've been to A3C, South by Southwest, basically every hip hop and, and music festival across the country. We used yeah. to do CMJ every year. Um, the beauty of the internet is you can meet writers everywhere and so i mean even to this day we have someone in like uh, north philly slash jersey um atlanta chicago new york austin texas houston la san francisco writers that you have writers holy shit uh we have writers in um england um berlin uh, Spain, Israel. I mean, it's incredible. But that speaks to the the popularity of hip hop yeah. um, as as the mo- the preeminent genre in the world. Totally uh, connecting with everyone on the face of the earth. Right. Yeah. And I loved. Uh, uh, um, so you guys reached out to do the story with me. Yeah. Which I said off camera before this. That was like the favorite, my favorite piece I've ever seen about me. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people interview you or whatever, and it's just kind of like a the basic bullshit or whatever. And Jocelyn killed it she did and i i i I guess you guys shifting to this it's got to be way difficult because this long form journalism piece like she talked to me for a minute like i remember we were in jersey we went to jersey for some shit and i just like i told her i had like you know it was like oh probably a half hour or something we sat i probably talked to her year off for like an hour and a half i was like how are you going to turn that into something that's good i don't know 
That's good, and I'll tell you why. You know, a lot of interviews are done um, based on like um, the label. Uh, if it's an artist, mm. the, la- the label dictating um, press time. So like they'll give you 10, 15 minutes max. Okay. And then it's a hard stop. Yeah. And so no matter, you know, at what point the artist is in the interview, the momentum is cut off and you're done. Right. So then you really have to cobble up what might be just like very vague and minimal answers and see if there is actually something worth turning into a, a profile. Right. Um, Obviously, whittling down a 90 minutes worth of audio into um, a succinct narrative for a profile is difficult, but it's always better to work with a lot of material and edit down than it is to try to make something that doesn't exist. Right, right, right. I guess I forgot that that's like a reality that you guys face is those quick times. Okay, so Audio Network. Or Audio Max, sorry. Yeah. Um, When did... So this starts as a streaming service of sort. Correct. So... uh, you know, at the time, DJ Booth was hosting mixtapes also. As so, I upload my files to your site. You your didn't server. upload them. You shared them with us, and we, we handled the upload process okay. for you. So, you know, artists were, were, were releasing full bodies of work on, like, Zippy Share and, right. and Lime Links and Mega Upload. And, yeah, I and, forgot about you know, Mega Upload. Yeah. Shit. And it's like, you know... I want to listen to your work, but you know what? I also don't want to get like a virus on my fucking computer, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we offered that, knowing that it was going to be a loss leader for us, right? So the cost of actually hosting the files was going to be far greater than whatever revenue that we'd be able to generate from the page views of all the people coming to DJ Booth to download it. Right. But we didn't care because what we believed in was paying it forward mm. um, by offering this service that otherwise would be something we'd have to charge for for free it would um, help our relationship with the artists that we are working with and, you know, in hopes that, you know, don't forget about the little guy, right? right Remember right. when we hosted that mixtape for you for free? Yeah. Um, it just wasn't a scalable business model based on the, like, the, the construction of the site. Mm. And so Audio Mac was essentially birthed as, as a solution to that problem, right? Um, so at, in, in its infancy, it was... Uh, very much a, a, a mixtape uh, download site where anyone could create an account and upload their 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 project. Unlike a lot of other people in that space, you know there was no premium tier, right? And so we didn't. We've never charged artists for anything. Mm. There's no um, uh, extra analytics or or data that's provided if you pay this much per month. And right. there's no cap on on the size limit of your files if you pay this much per month. Right. Um, we wanted artists to truly benefit, and so that was the genesis. Of, of Audio Mac, which was which was started on five grand. We started the company on five grand, which goes towards what server space or something like the data hosting. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the paying for the domain name, um, paying for the all the files that are being uploaded on the server, um, and then all of the bandwidth right. uh, from the streaming and the download. Every time something's downloaded or something streamed, you're paying for that. Right. Um, yeah. So it, it was it was birthed on a very minimal budget. And uh, we, we already had our foot in the marketplace because right. I was already working with all of these artists every day who needed a solution. Mm-hmm. So then was it, you drop it and is it set up in a way where you're profiting from ads? ads. As, That's again, it. Same yep. thing. Yep. And it's still the same. Yes. It's so, all ads. So we have a, a premium option. It's four ninety nine a month which is half of what you traditionally will be paying um, at any of the larger DSPs. Right. Uh, it's essentially an, an entry level, in, an entry way um, at a, a cost-friendly price point into the market. Right. Um, 
you know, without jumping too far ahead, Audio Mac is extremely popular in a lot of non-U.S. Uh, territories, especially territories where you know they don't have access to credit cards mm. and they have limited disposable income and they have uh, cell phones with either um, capped data plans or very limited data. And so we offer free caching where you can um, listen to the music offline when you don't have access to your data so right. that you can continue to listen. Yeah. Um, a, lot of out, a lot of territories outside the United States, they're still not behaviorally um, trained to you know, go to a streaming service. Right. They're still getting everything through YouTube or through piracy, right? And so this is sort of like we're still training folks outside the U.S. to get into the habit of a subscription model. Uh, and then hopefully the experience is so great for them, they do have the four ninety nine a month to eventually upgrade to, to Premiere. So for right now, for free, I can go, do free. I have the caching option? Yes. So the, the premium gives you what? No ads. Oh. Zero ads. Oh, so you're running ads on the songs that's playing. So right now there's video ads and, and still ads. Yeah. Um, in the next month, there's going to be audio ads between songs. Right. Similar to Spotify. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, if you want a completely ad-free experience, it's $4.99 a month. It's so cheap. Yeah. Only $4.99 a month. But I mean, Apple just no wrote ads. out Apple just wrote out um, their streaming service, and it's the same thing, $4.99 a month. I th- maybe it's for the first year. Wait till it's like fifteen. Yeah, it's definitely promotional. Yeah. yeah, but still, it's. I think it's a, a solid price point, especially when you're competing against like iTunes and all these other places. And that's so interesting to think of like all these other countries that might not be familiar to that or have. You know what our to number that. two territory is? Where Nigeria. Really? Yep. Damn. Yeah, United States number one, Nigeria number two, uh, UK is number three, I believe France is four, and maybe Germany is five or Canada is five. Yeah. So what do you guys do to to tar- like target that those countries? Right. To well, we, to- we've gone to many of them. Have you? Yeah. And so we, we've done activations and promotions. We've sponsored events. Um, last year, we released uh, an EP that was created in London. Mm. Um, uh, Taylor, uh, DJ T-Gut, who is our, uh, our in-house uh, creative director, he's also a very talented uh, record producer. Whoa. And so he and David Pani, another co-founder and our CMO, uh, they flew out to England and they crafted an, an EP. Uh, they did the same thing earlier this year. They went down to uh, Kingston, Jamaica, and they recorded an EP with local artists. So sick. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we also have two recording studios in New York. And so when artists are in um, the country, we invite them in and, and, and to just create in our space. That's so sick. Yeah. You guys do podcasts? Uh, we don't, but one is launching very soon. But can you can people host podcasts on Audio Mac? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I thought you meant like does Audio Mac? No, you guys should. I mean, you guys should. DJ Boo should. Yes, yes. I I need the time that doesn't exist right now. Right, I feel that. Um, I've always wanted to do it. It's it's on on the same list as like author a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, you can you can uh, run your podcasts on our our top five genres are are hip hop, R and B, Latin, Afro beats, and electronic. Wow. Yeah. So cool. So then when you started this, you started off 5K, right? Did you get investment from that at some point to be able to, I mean, having two studios in New York ain't cheap. We did not take on an investment until 2017. So we ran uh, profitably uh, for four years and we could have continued to run profitably as we are right now. Um, Our decision to take on an investor was to speed up our our growth rate. Right, right, right. Because then with that, you're able to invest into more tools and be able to, you know, develop the team. developers are expensive. Yeah. 
and uh, we have grown tremendously. Right now, we're we're at 3.3 million daily active users. Well, uh, we are at 10.1 million monthly uh, unique, uh, and we're doing about 2.1 billion monthly streams uh, across the network. How does it feel to see those analytics? I love it. I I would too. I love it. Are you constantly just watching and adjusting and seeing? Like, I feel like it makes you. it's what drives you, right? Like if you start paying attention to it, it it should give you the focus of like, okay, how do we make that increase by two? You know what I mean? You know what? While the numbers independently are, are, um, exciting for us to see, you know, week over week growth, month over month growth, et cetera. Um, you know, the numbers don't tell the complete story, right? You know, I, I feel like a lot of the people who operate the companies who operate in our space, um, they're not music heads, right? They're yeah. technology companies that are wearing music robes, mm. right? And when they go home at night, they take off their music robe and they they show themselves as as, yeah. a, as a tech right. du- dude or dudette. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this company was started by music people. Like, you know, we 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 love the music, we love the artists, um, and we don't just talk about that we love the music and we love the artists. But if you go on the app, whether it's the trending page, which is the the entryway to the app as soon as you load it up, or any of our playlists, there is equal amount of real estate dedicated to developing acts. Hmm. Independent, unsigned, you know, they created their own account. Um, You know, we find artists all the time. We'll verify their account, we'll whitelist it, and then we invite them to join AMP, which is our um, audio Mac monetization program. It's invite only gives them a chance, um, unlike on, on uh, another one of our competitors, to, to monetize their plays. Right. That's cool. Because that's... that's they, do they have to pay to have their music on your platform? Don't have to pay anything. Sick. <laughs> that's fucking perfect. That's like an ideal scenario. For, and that's what's cool about artists now. It's like you have the opportunity to put out an EP and still and be able to monetize in that sense. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the direction that we're headed in, right? So, so Spotify had a program that would have allowed artists to cut out everybody so they could cut out the, ne- the need for a label mm-hmm. they could completely cut out the need for a distributor spotify was going to give artists the opportunity to go direct to consumer which is the future of music release right. and um within like four or five months uh, of announcing their plans for that program they disbanded and announced that it was dead okay mm-hmm. total missed opportunity but um their loss will be our gain um Artists will have the opportunity to continue to create their own account, manage their own account, upload themselves, monetize themselves. And through their creator dashboard, they can get all the same analytics that they're paying extra for in other places. Uh, And then in the future, that creator dashboard will be more robust and will give artists the opportunity to have more resources at their disposal, none of which they're going to have to pay for. Right. Damn, that's fucking sick. Yeah. You guys are killing this shit. Thank you. That's exciting. Thank you. It is exciting. How do you balance that with your regular life? You said you're married and have a kid? Yeah. How do you do it? I don't. I mean, I got to do the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. It's really hard. It is hard, right? I mean, uh, I, I, I work uh, anywhere between like 65 and 80 hours a week. Mm. Um, you know, I have a marriage to, to maintain. I have a, a daughter to raise. I'm very active in the lives of uh, the rest of my family. Yeah. So, you know, my mom and my dad, my brother, um, my grandmother, who's turning 93 in a week. Holy shit. Um, and you only, like, your brain turns to mush after so long, you know? So it's hard to make a conversation. It's hard to be, you know, active and, like, present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physically present, yes. Mentally present. Disconnecting is tough. Yeah. So I haven't figured it out yet in terms of, like, the appropriate 
work-life balance. Right. But as my daughter gets a little older and, and, and sleeps through the night, mm-hmm. Zoe, sleep through the night. How old is she? Please. She's two and a half going on three. We just bought her her own full bed because she just was sleeping in our bed every night was untenable. This is yours. Yeah. Please let me sleep. Yeah. I didn't get a full bed my entire... I, I slept in a twin bed till I was right. 23. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, she, she gets a full at two. Stay in it. It's amazing. You can roll over four times each way and not and you're fall good. out. You're good. Yeah. I, I had a bunk bed. I fell out of that shit when I was a kid. Any any damage done? I think I had a bloody nose, but I had bloody noses all the time. I, I fell out of a, uh, a bunk bed also uh, from the top. I had braces Shattered at the time. Shattered my knee, tore my... <laughs> <laughs> no, that instance, I just ripped open my, my, my lip. But, oh, damn. Yeah. Um, so with... Like the progress, oh, do you guys have an office in Chicago or what do you work from uh, home? So, no, I used to work from home. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> I had my daughter and that became impossible. Yeah. So, I, I work uh, out of a co working space in, in Evanston, Illinois. Nice. Uh, home of Northwestern. Uh, it's it's about 15 minutes from the house. I have a private office. Yeah. Um, it gives me the chance to actually get shit done uh, and I can get home anytime. I like that. I, we had a, we did the podcast out of WeWork for a while. It was cool. I it was, WeWork's expensive as fuck for what, they offer but right i still like the peace of mind just to be able to go somewhere else and then this is why i need this shit but plus the guy who owns we works a total piece of shit yeah i don't know i heard something but i don't know anything about it oh, all you need to know is he's, he's a, a total, total piece, of, piece of shit take a word for it yeah i mean they also tried to fuck us over on some money yeah like i said total piece of shit right um so then what's next for you i, I have some i have like uh, probably one question i don't i didn't get to post it quick enough but uh just from our audience this has been great by the way you are terrific Thank you. Yeah. Shit, coming from you? It's like fucking seamless over here. It's a uh, we're trying, man. We're just we're trying to be like you guys are, but it's inspiring to hear what you do and I think that people need to understand the behind the scenes of what this is. I agree. You know what I mean? Especially just even the old models are still you can still pull a lot from that and bring it into yeah. the new wave of shit, but um just how you guys turnkeyed so many solutions by getting this person, bringing this person on. We yep. talk about this all the time and we're trying to expand over here just to like stay afloat with the podcast. Like it's right. a fucking shit ton of work. You know what I mean? I can't imagine oh, yeah. micromanaging multiple writers and in-depth stories and reviewing and it's, copyright or whatever the fuck. It's endless. It, 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 it's endless. It's funny, you know, it, all of our jobs really have become like, you know, handle email, like email handlers. That's mm-hmm. like everybody, in order to be successful now, you have to have either an assistant yeah. or you have to be able to handle a mass amount of uh, amount of email. And so like managing my inbox has almost become a full-time it, job right? without doing anything else. <sighs> Um, and especially while I'm traveling, I was in New York all of last week. Mm. I'm in LA all of this week. Right. Um, and then when I get home, I'm, I'm, I need to spend time with my family. Yeah. And so, you know, and then you don't hear from someone and they're like, Hey man, is it like, what's going on? Did I say something wrong? Be like, no dude, I've been traveling for two <laughs> weeks and like, I, I'm a dad. So yeah. like patience. Right. Please. Yeah. Jesus. Um, fuck man that's it's incredible I, i'm excited to I, please read my interview okay the interview that they did on me was sick as fuck i'm proud of that shit i sent it to my mom Thank i sent it to my dad everyone was reading it my Thank family you. is sending our family email where no one understands what the fuck i do and there's like ah, <laughs> way to go ben <laughs> thanks guys uh no i really it, honestly welcome. it was it was super cool um all right so i have a q a yeah that i do with our patreon members so i'm gonna read okay. that off real quick um Nah, I'm, yeah, I'm just going to get into that first. All right, so uh, Nicholas, he says, Z, besides the homie Ben's interview, what's one of your favorite interviews you guys, you guys have ever done? Great question. Um, probably Kanye. 
I got the chance to interview Kanye um, and meet his mom, Donda, before she passed. Um, at the House of Blues in Chicago, they did um, a, uh, a charity event in coordination with the release of Late Registration. Mm. And um, his publicist set up an interview with me. It was supposed to be like five minutes. And uh, we were talking and the publicist came over and she did one of those motions where she you know, points to her watch, like wrap it up. And Kanye interrupted our interview and told her that he would come get her when we were done talking. And I was like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this was before uh, Taylor Swift gate. This was before his mom passed, obviously. Yeah. Um, before to Kanye, who we know now. Right. Um, you know, he's always been uh, an egomaniac, but I found him to be extremely charming. Yeah. Uh, and it was a very personal conversation. And um, he had just released uh, Barry Bonds with Lil Wayne. Right. And um, I had asked him some question about Barry Bonds and like the steroid scandal and all of that. Um, and he answered it very succinctly. And then off the record, when the interview was over, um, he was like, yo, but Z, he's like, do you like the record? <laughs> and and I'm, I'm thinking like, do I just, I didn't, I didn't like the record. Do, yeah. I'm like, do I lie to him and tell him that, <laughs> that I think it's amazing when maybe he knows it's trash right. and he's looking for me to be honest with him? Right. Like, what, what should I say? And at the time, Lil Wayne was on like everybody's record. Right. It, the top 40 radio was like Lil, featuring Lil Wayne, featuring right, Lil Wayne. Right, right, right. So I was like, you know, it's fine, but you know, I don't think you need to wait on there. I think it should have just been a Kanye solo record. He probably loved that. He did, and he also told me that Jay-Z was supposed to be on it, but he couldn't get his, his verse done in time for the album. Damn. Yep. That's crazy. Flex, drop a that bomb. Is, yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's so wild, man. Damn, that's fucking sick. Well, that was a good answer. Uh, Leisha says, I didn't read any of these before. Sorry. So <laughs> I didn't, I think I just said some fucked up shit. And I'll just read it right out the thing. Uh, if you could be a, here we go. If you could be a fruit, which one would you be and why? <laughs> I'm glad you warned me. Um, fuck. I don't know. Um, you eat fruit? I love fruit. Uh, I don't know strawberries because they're fucking delicious. Yeah, and sure. I'm and I'm a sweet guy. There we go. Nice. I like that. Got that sugar, man. Uh, William said, uh, "With all the success you have, do you ever suffer from imposter syndrome? And if you don't, what advice could you give someone who does?" That is a great question, William. Yeah. Shout out William. Mm -hmm. um, so it's funny that you asked that because we have a Slack chat on, on DJ Booth. Yeah. And most of our regular contributors are in there. And every day, everyone's just talking about how great the latest article that one of them wrote. And all of them complain about the same thing that um, while it drives them to be better writers, because you, you're never an amazing writer, you, you just you strive to be better than your last piece. Right there definitely is a, a sense of imposter syndrome that sets in. Yeah. I don't write the articles anymore, so I don't feel that way. Yeah. Um, and I also believe that everything that we're doing right now is so unique uh, on both sides, the DJ booth side and the audio Mac side that we don't really have that, that problem. But I, I, I do know what that feeling is like and how to deal with it. Um, block it all out. Mm. Get the fuck off social media. Yeah. No, that's some fucking great advice. Yeah. Uh, let's see one more question. Jason says, what has been a valuable lesson from co-owning DJ booth, both companies, valuable lesson that you've gained from owning co-owning two companies. The, the common expression is to stay ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I've prided myself and our businesses on being the curve changing before there's a need to change. Yeah. Changing early enough so that 
if the change that you make is a terrible idea, you still have enough time to backtrack and figure it out again. Right. Um, people just get too complacent in this industry. Right. Um, in all of the industries, the the overlap of of, of publishing and music and social media. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you, you can't be afraid to change. That's what I've learned is just make changes on the fly, figure shit out. Don't be afraid to try things that you think might fail, but could be wins. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Damn, this is a great interview, bro. Oh, thank you. I'm pumped that we got to do this shit. Um, Did I talk too much? No, this no? is perfect. Okay. We honestly are doing good. We're at an hour and a half. That's a solid. Oh, wow. um, what What's the plans for like the next year moving forward? Like, What do you guys have? Not this year, but wrapping into 2020. Right. New, new decade? I don't know what the fuck you call that shit. Next part of life. What's what's like the main driver for you guys? What were you guys kind of aiming at? You like to make curves. Do you have any curves you guys are making for 2020? Um, all right, so on the DJ booth side, I, I'm, I'm more hands off now than I used to be, just because my full time investment right now is in is in growing Audio Mac to mm-hmm. be what it could potentially be. I also believe the DJ booths in fine hands, uh, right. which is um, Donna Claire Chesman, our incredible managing editor, Yo Phillips, uh, who I mentioned earlier, who's our senior writer. Um, with DJ booth, you know, the publishing space is moving toward a subscription model, a la music and video streaming, etc. And so um, positioning us so that we can be part of um, a package of, of platforms that we can complement as a music space right and then also continue to be a media house and, and serve as um, an asset to a lot of these larger companies that lack the vision and the voice that, that we've developed on, on our platform um, with audio max sky's the limit right um, you know uh, I, I strongly believe that we're going to start taking uh, market share away from YouTube uh, which is just not a great place to listen to music no fucking uh, sucks. amazing for video not it's not even amazing for video. It's fine for video. Right. Uh, not the ideal application on your mobile device to to be a streaming service, which is why YouTube's already pivoted several times in their quest to to be a, a larger part of that space when they have the market share for it. Right. You know, more people listen to music on YouTube than any other platform. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we rolled out commenting on Audio Mac this year. Um, we're going to be rolling out editorial. So the, the type of work that we're doing on DJ Booth within the, the framework of the Audio Mac app so that you can read about the artist that you're listening to That's pretty dope. in the app. Um, eliminating all the traditional hurdles of, you know, do I want to click on this link and leave, leave Twitter? No, you, you just stay you in Audio here. Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to be integrating all of the video series that we do at Audio Mac, like Trap Symphony and Fine Tuned and Audio Mac Inc. also into the framework of the app. Um, we are currently doing a five-city tour for our Hometown Heroes playlist series. It's uh, brought to you by Live Nation. Sick. Uh, we just sold out our show in New York. Uh, and then coming up in the next two and a half months, we have shows in D.C., Chicago, Atlanta, and here in Los Angeles. Damn. Uh, so uh, assuming that our success rate continues there, uh, rolling out Hometown Heroes is a, a series across the country. That would be amazing. Um, and then further expansion outside the United States. Right. So, um, you know, we see that the popularity of the platform has been gaining in Nigeria and France and the UK um, and just really getting a foothold there. Right. Doing way more yeah. activations there and everything. Yeah. That's Solid. Thank you. Good. Man. Proud for you, man. That's Thank you. that's amazing. That's Thank an you. accomplishment. And congrats to you on on everything that you've accomplished over the past few years. I mean, I I remember uh, 
to like standing your uh, your Instagram uh, and just like following you know you life on the road and being with Schoolboy and, yeah, yeah. and to see everything that you've done over the past few years with the the TDE tours and with with Jay and Beyonce's and you come from the Midwest like like I do yeah, it's just beyond inspirational appreciate that yeah yeah we weren't we weren't that far I was like no. five hours from you I think in Iowa we could have been like. Homies, chilling. Bro. I know. So long. I know. Well, I bet if I would have figured out your address, I could have just given you a physical <laughs> copy of my music. And you would have just posted that shit. Well, the, I, I guess when you put it that way, maybe it's a good thing that we never connected <laughs> yeah. in person. Hey, man, why don't you play my shit no more? That's so salty. You wouldn't Fucking. believe the number of people who show up at Audio Mac without a meeting who are just like, yeah, like trending. Like, can you like like hook up a playlist, man? Oh my god. Do you like do you have a meeting here with anybody? Be like, oh yeah, you know that Z dude. Be like, uh, he doesn't actually operate out of the office full time. He's in Chicago. Wrong office. Yep, you're full yeah. of shit. <laughs> uh, okay, last question. You don't yeah. have to answer it in length. Did you get good at listening to shit? Being able to identify this is trash and move on. Yes. Five thousand emails. Like, how long do you think you gave a song before you realized it was going to be garbage? Fifteen seconds or less. Fifteen seconds or less. Yeah. Cool. That makes me feel better because I watch a lot of videos sometimes and I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. You have to. And I sometimes feel bad, but at the same time, you can already tell. It works. It, I mean, it works both ways, right? Though, I mean, I find myself listening to something for three, three and a half minutes, not because I'm, I'm amazed by it, but I'm actually shocked at how bad it was that <laughs> no one in this person's life told them to can it. Like there, there needs to be honest people in all these, these yeah. artists' lives just one person like yo like maybe yeah maybe rethink this i agree 100 percent. yeah all right cool so every time i finish up an interview yeah thank you for doing this by the way thank this you for amazing. having me no absolutely um i let you so i tell everyone to go to your instagram what's your instagram i don't do instagram you can follow uh at dj booth and at audio oh, this is the first time this has ever happened <laughs> all right so let's just do dj booth we talked okay. about it at length all right so go to dj booth's instagram okay yep. whatever the most recent post on there is they have to go there okay they're gonna tag me at ben Rovers world okay and they're gonna put this hashtag you're gonna pick and it's just so that if you have to go on dj booth's instagram <laughs> and you see this you know that we both they listen to this whole shit at length to the point where they went out put a hashtag there and okay how, how about be- best podcast ever Hashtag best podcast ever. Tight. People are going to think DJ Booth's got a podcast, but I'm with it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe we just buy black with no cream. Let's do it. Yeah, purchase it out. Let's go. (laughs) We'll uh, we'll, we'll talk figures uh, after. I like that. Um, No, I appreciate you doing this, man. And uh, hope you have a good rest of the trip in LA. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Boom. (laughs) That's it for episode 128. Brian Z Zizug man interviews fucking fire um, if you guys you heard the Q&A experience at the very end we allow all of our Patreon members to ask any of our interview guests questions um, we share basically when they're coming in you get an advanced warning you can ask them questions if you want to do that you got to join us on Patreon patreon.com slash black cream and be a part of the Q&A experience we appreciate you for joining if you guys uh, make sure to click in the description stuff for all of Brian's links and check out you know DJ Booth if you're new to it Audio Mac if you're new to it support what he's doing over there next week next week what podcast do we have coming out Andrew Hales we're dropping Andrew Hales episode and that shit this guy has a YouTube channel and he's got over 300 million views that's all I'm gonna say he's he's earned over 300 million views probably more than that by now on his YouTube channel so look him up and make sure to tune in next week alright every Wednesday and Sunday we do episodes make sure to subscribe We fucking love you over here. Peace out. Girl Scout.